Is this on? Working all right? I think so. I mean, I only press the button. I've got nothing else to do. So. Lovely to be with you again. And uh, yeah, the numbers are increasing. It's good to see uh, so many faces there. I just got a bit of a an announcement to make uh, on my behalf, and that's that it's about three. What have we got to do here? I've done this one, but it says RF mute off. You happy with that? That's better. Well done, thank you. I always need help, no matter how long I've been wearing these things. I need help all the time. Uh, it's um. It's over three years now, we, uh, Daphne and I went down to Hastings and the gift that God has given me is, is the gift of teaching. I know that, and, uh, but when I went there, um, I thought God was going to open up something for me fairly quickly in the way of teaching, but nothing, he didn't. I came up most Sundays to different churches in London and uh, I was sort of just treading water, I suppose, it felt like that. Uh, leaving one church that is very active and I'm very active and involved in it and then going just to a church and sitting uh, it was very strange very uh, difficult place to be anyway but it was fine uh, but then last March God spoke to me and he gave me the sort of is it, are these helpful or not helpful it's, um, the Lord sort of gave me the go ahead to start a Bible school and I thought oh great we'll get one started and then of course we had this pandemic thing that just stopped everything. Uh, but last Monday, um, I started our Bible school in Hastings. It's called Arise Ministries, and um, there's some details here, and you can go on the, uh, the, the web, and uh, it's being uh, put out on iPods, so you can listen if you want to, and uh, in a week or two's time, I think we'll have it up, so you can watch it as well. It'll be filmed and everything so I'm just going to put these over there so if you want the details of this you can get hold of that and uh, it's all more teaching more blessing uh, and God wants us to to study and understand as much as we possibly can not studying for academic sake but we study that we might know him more it's not about what we do it's more about having a deep relationship with God and a lot of our Christian life is doing, I understand that. And often we can be deceived to think, if I do, my relationship will get better. That's not always the case. Uh, we can be exhausted by doing. Uh, but we have to come and have a deep relationship with him. That's what he desires from all of us. And so, uh, yeah, it, it's about knowing God knowing him personally and intimately. We know that God loves us, don't we? What does that love look like to you? What does that love look like to you? Because people can love people differently in all sorts of different ways. So I want you to consider about how, love God's, how God loves you this morning. In Victorian times, when we think of the Victorian family, we see the love of a father very austere, very strict, 
a disciplined home. Maybe any comfort came from the mother, but the father was this strong character. And often as we read our scriptures and we go to church and we listen to sermons, uh, God can come across to us as a very stern, strong man. Yes, he loves us, but don't get too close. You understand? Know your place. Uh, we wouldn't describe God as being passionately in love with we, would we? It, it's a sort of a word we wouldn't use, that he's passionately in love with us. Are you passionately in love with God? Is your love for God a bit cold, a bit distant? Uh, he's there, I'm here, I'll do what you tell me to do. I really appreciate that you sent Jesus to die for me. But we're not going to get that close. The plan, the desire for God is to come and be our God. And that we would be his people and that he would live with us. Imagine that. Living in the presence of God every day. Every moment of every day. That's what he wants. That's what he's going to get. I can't think what that looks like. But it's about a God who passionately, passionately loves us and wants us to dwell with him. Where can I get this idea that God wants to passionately love me? What, what book of the Bible would I turn to to discover this passionate love? John. John? There's a better one than that. That is good. He, he did. He did passionately love God without a shadow of a doubt. It's an Old Testament book. Ah, the Song of Songs, or it's sometimes called the Song of Solomon. So if you've got that, turn to that in your Bibles. It's there in the wisdom book, sort of around the middle. It's, it's, it's tiny, it's only a few chapters, so you have to dig around a little bit to find it. The Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon. Before I speak from some verses in this book, I've got to explain something. Through the centuries, the church in its history tried to get rid of this book. Not the Bible, they love the Bible, but they tried to get rid of the Song of Songs. Many times, not just once, they tried to eradicate it from the scriptures. Why? Because it shows us a passionate side of God. They didn't want the people becoming too familiar with their God. And they wanted God to be this austere, frightening person. And they represented this frightening person. And in a way, it was to control the people. But here, God blows the whole thing wide open. And he sticks this book in the middle of the Bible for us. The Song of Songs. It was so embarrassing. I'll tell you this little story. In Spain, in the 16th century, there was a man called Fray Luis de Leon. He was a scholar and a teacher. And one day in his class, these church authorities came in and dragged him out of the class, put him in front of some sort of tribunal 
and put him in prison for four years. Do you know what crime he had committed? He translated the Song of Songs into Spanish. <laughs> you see how they tried to shut this image of God down, shut this picture of God down. They didn't want for God to be seen as someone who was passionate and loving. It shouldn't be here, they said. This has no place in Scripture. It is adult material. It's dangerous if you read this. Some, as they read this book, they interpret it as a poem. A song, a poem, between two people who desperately love one another. And it is their engagement leading up to their wedding and their wedding night. So it's quite passionate, it's quite erotic in a way as you read it. Um, if you haven't read it for a while, go home and read it this week. Nice and slowly. And read it again. Again, it only takes about 15 minutes, if that, to read through it. And let God minister something of his passion to you out of this book. So it could be read as just this two people who love one another, the poem of the passion between them, or it could be an allegory. It could be a picture explaining how much God loves us, his passionate love for us. I want to read just a couple of verses from it this morning and preach on them, and we will take it as an allegory. It is a picture of how much God passionately, passionately loves us. If you ever question how much he loves you, you look to the cross. That's why we took communion this morning, so we could look to the cross to remember how much he loves us, how much he passionately, passionately loves us. There are three characters as we read through this. There is the lover, who we're going to say is God. There is the beloved, who is us, his the ones who love him and who he loves. And there is now and then the friends of the beloved, our friends. They, they chirp in now and again just to bring a little bit of uh, spice, as it were, to talk to uh, the, the beloved in this. So we're going to turn you to a couple of verses now where God is speaking to us. Uh, turn with me to Song of Songs chapter 2 and verses, we'll just read 14 and 15. He says this, Song of Songs, chapter 2, 14 and 15. My dove, in the cleft of the rock, in the hiding place on the mountainside, show me your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Then he sort of changes a little bit here. A word of warning. He says, catch for us the foxes. The little foxes that ruin the vineyards. Our vineyards that are in bloom. Just going to focus on those few verses there. I'll, I'll give you it in my version. Uh, it goes something like this. God holds us 
and shelters us in a safe place. For God holds you and shelters you in a safe place. He enjoys looking at you. He just simply looks. And it's not what you're doing. He looks and he enjoys what he sees. Do you remember what it was like when you were passionately in love with someone? Do you remember? You just looked at them and it just brought joy, didn't it? You know what I mean? It was just like, oh. He enjoys looking at us and listening to us. I know sometimes we speak such rubbish, don't we? You know what I mean? But he loves the sound of our voice because he's passionately in love with us. He loves to look at us and he loves the sound of our voice. It says, to him our voice is sweet and our face is lovely. That's it. I could stop there, really, couldn't I? Just meditate on that. God, I don't think about God like that. Well, you want to. Because it's beautiful. And it's lovely. And God wants you to see that part of him as well. Then he warns us about something. Like I said, he's not telling us off. He's just warning us. Warning us that small things are coming along to ruin this relationship. Just small things. He refers to them as foxes. Little foxes. Now, when you see a little, any, any animal, isn't it cute? You know what I mean? Even a little lion is cute. You know, uh, a little elephant is cute. They're all cute. And foxes are cute. Be careful. He says, these little foxes that look so cute, and you might not take a great deal of notice of them, they come to ruin the vine. They come to ruin the fruit in you. Ruin that which enables you to have the sort of relationship he wants to have with you. In our relationship with God, in this loving relationship with God, because the Holy Spirit has come into us and energizes our life, we now bear the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. They're listed for us in Galatians, aren't they? With this fruit that you have, who are you supposed to love with this fruit? First, God. That's it. The fruit of the Spirit that you bear in your life, yes, we have to show it to others, but primarily our first love. I'm sorry, Daphne, but my first love is God. I'm sorry, Jonathan and Luke and Joel, my boys. I'm sorry, but my first love, my first passion is God. So if I have to take the fruit of the Spirit and 
demonstrate it to my family, demonstrate it to the people I know, to my neighbours, any church that I'm in. Primarily the fruit is that it's born in my life that I might love God. That I might have joy in His presence. I might have peace. That when I meet with Him, I have patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control in my life. That's what He wants to see born in my life, in my relationship with Him. Have you ever lost your joy in relationship with God? Got frustrated with Him? Lost your patience? Because he didn't rush to answer the prayer the way that you wanted him to answer it. You see, we're being robbed of the fruit of relationship. Can I say that in all loving relationships that have stood the test of time, little things come along to mar that relationship. You wouldn't realise how frustrating Daphne is. How blunt she can be. I mean, I'm perfect. I mean, I just don't understand why she says those things or thinks like that. I'm just as irritating. I'm absolutely sure about that. See, there are little things that come to mar to mar the relationship. Little foxes that come to destroy relationship. Now, I'm primarily talking about my relationship with God, but then of course it spills out to our relationships with one another. Little foxes that come. And sometimes we go, oh, uh, as though it's nothing, nothing. But big, little foxes grow into big foxes. And they do a lot of damage. And listen how how the, the passionate lover describes it in the Song of Songs. Catch for us the foxes. The responsibility he's placing upon his beloved. He's not saying, I will deal with the foxes. He says, you, my beloved, you catch the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards. Our vineyards that are in bloom. Where there is supposed to be abundant fruit in relationship. They cannot destroy the crop, but they can rob it of its bloom. See, these little foxes that come, they don't want to eat the fruit. They want to ruin the vines. These small things in our lives, they want to ruin the joy of the relationships would have first with God and then with others. The fruit of the vineyard is ruined. So, what are these little foxes? So we can deal with them because the responsibility is ours. When we first come to Christ, um, we come sometimes with some big sins, don't we? I mean, big. Even sinners are ashamed of these sins. Big stuff. Sins that contaminate, it says in Scripture, not only our spirit, 
but our whole bodies. Galatians 5.19 helps us out here. He tells us what these sins are. Immorality, adultery, fornication, indecency, perversion, ill-temperedness, divisiveness, drunkenness. He lists them for us. These are big things. Wow! Not only sins that are like little foxes that damage the vine, but, but big things that would destroy the whole crop. But if we're serious about following the Lord Jesus Christ, having realised who he is and said, yes, I believe in his claims, and then the Holy Spirit comes and he gives us new birth, if we're serious, most of this big stuff just drops off. It does. It, it might take a, a few weeks or even some months, but, but if we're genuine and serious about following God, that stuff goes. It just goes. But as we press on in Christ, as we want to get closer, as we want to know this passionate one more, and as we want to demonstrate our passion to him, we discover that there are less obvious things. This is what the little foxes are that come to rob us of the life that God has for us. They don't want to eat the fruit. They just want to mess it all up. The sin they seek to ruin is that which would produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. This, this sin appears in our thoughts in our words and then it flows a little bit into our actions just small things that happen day after day after day that if we're not careful we tolerate them but God is wanting us to as he says to his beloved let's deal with these foxes come while the, the harvest is in bloom you must deal with them. How do I know about these little foxes? Because I'm just like you. That's it. Because they're ruining my relationship with God. They ruin my relationship with those that I love. With those people that I want to love. Listen to how... King David speaks about these little foxes that ruin his thoughts. Psalm 51, verse 10. He says, Create in me, Lord, a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Now, I don't know of anyone in the scripture, apart from maybe the Apostle Paul, more passionate than David. Oh, my life what he wouldn't have done. It says of him, and this is what God says of him, he was a man after God's own heart. That doesn't mean he got everything right, because we know he didn't. But if God had asked him to do something, he would have done it. He would have done it straight away. He was passionate for God. Read through, uh, we had a psalm read this morning. Great, thanks for reading that psalm. 
read through all of the Psalms and you'll go, this man is so passionate. Read through Psalm 119 where he's speaking about, you know, keeping your word. I love your word. I'm passionate about your word. I never want to veer away from it. You're thinking, calm down, David. The man is passionate, passionate, passionate. And listen to what he says. Creating me, got a pure heart. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. You see, there were things that would have come. Little foxes that would just mess about with him in the head. Mess about in his heart. Bring thoughts and ideas. And he said, I want to be pure before you. I mentioned the Apostle Paul, of course. Who more passionate than Paul? He said, Lord, I'm prepared to die and, and miss out on heaven if I can save my nation. How passionate can you be? Forfeit his salvation that he might save his brothers and sisters. And of course, he, he just said, I want to enter into the suffering of Christ that I might know the power of his resurrection. There was no cost too much for Paul. Passionate, passionate. And yet, listen to what he says in Romans 7, 24. He says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Now, he was already saved. But he saw these little things that were, were taking him away, even only slightly from God. He saw them as death. He saw them as big. And they needed to be dealt with. And he was almost beating himself. He said, oh, wretched man that I am. How can I escape these things? They struggled. They struggled with stuff just like you and I do. I get a lot of consolation from that. When I read how the saints of God, I mean, they were uh, Paul, the apostle Paul, yes, differently, completely from me, completely differently. And yet he struggled with this stuff. And I'm so reassured. It doesn't let me off the hook. It doesn't make me think, oh, I can do as much of this stuff as I like. I think, oh, God, if this man struggled, I too. It's okay to struggle, but I must keep struggling. We struggle with things like envy. You know what I mean? It's like we see what other people have and we go, oh. I wish I could have something like that, you know, just half of their pay packet would be good. Or just to live in a, a much nicer place like my friend has, or to have a better car, or, or to be married, or, or to be happily married, or, or, to, or, or to, you know, it's envy. It's envy. Pride. None of us would admit to pride, because pride is so ugly. Oh. It's an ugly thing. But you know, have you ever caught yourself just slightly looking down on someone? You know what I mean? A poor person? A person of a different race? Of a different education? Mm, just a little bit? It doesn't matter how much it is. Thinking you're better somehow? You're more entitled somehow? Prejudice. Wow. Black lives do matter. 
So do white lives. And unborn babies matter too. Everyone matters. And yet we somehow think we're special or different. We have prejudices. We have fears. Ungratefulness. I've discovered there are some people who cannot say thank you. It doesn't matter what you give them. It just isn't in their vocabulary to say thank you. And I'm thinking, they must be ungrateful then if they can't find the word thank you. It's not that strange a word. People have a poor self-image. People who feel rejected or insecure, they're just, they're just little foxes. They destroy the fruit. Thoughts like that come to rob us. In our speech, sometimes on our lips we hear things um, that we shouldn't be saying, don't we? Oh, I'm not talking about cursing or blaspheming or threatening or coarse language. That fell off. I'm just talking about complaining. And sometimes we wrap it up really nice, don't we? I'm not really complaining, and then they complain. <laughs> Gossiping. Uh, everyone knows this. Well, I didn't, and you're telling me now. Moaning. Sometimes I've caught myself moaning about people moaning. Isn't that odd? <laughs> and I felt God saying, shut up. What's the difference? Faithless talk, that's never going to happen. <laughs> I thought with God all things were possible. No, no, that's not going to happen. Stop it. Little foxes, you see. The robbers of the life, of the fruit of the Spirit of God. That fruit that we can offer back to Him. And in our actions, See, our small thoughts and our small words, if we let them go, they become small actions. Of course they do. Of course they do. Thoughtlessness. Unkindness. Indifference. Not big sins in themselves. Frustration. Well, they're not major. We all suffer. Oh, no, 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 no. Remember, he loves to listen to our voice. And he gets great delight in looking at our faces. Not big, I say. But bad enough to influence our relationship with God. solution. How do we deal with this? How? How can I deal with these little foxes? What can I do? I can't do anything. I can't, I can't stop. I can't stop doing it. I know because I've, I've made the decision I'm going to stop. 
only for the devil to prove me a liar before the day's out. I want to stop. I want to clear up all this stuff so this loving relationship I have with him and with you and with those close to me, it's pure. But I can't. But I know a man who can. I know a man who can deal with them. Let's go back to David and see what he said. And let's go back to Paul and see what he said. Just a couple of verses on from that verse I read to you that David said, you know, help me Lord, I want a pure heart. This is what he says in 51 and verse 12. He says, restore in me the joy of my salvation. Isn't that part of the fruit? The joy? The fruit that is born in a loving relationship with Almighty God. And he says this, and grant me a willing spirit. You go, well, it's down to you, David. You're either willing or you're not willing. He says, no, of course I'm willing, but I need your Holy Spirit to come and activate on my spirit so my spirit truly is willing, willing. Help me, because in my own will, it's not sufficient. I need you to come and flow through me and give me a willing spirit, Lord. I can't do it on my own. Help me. Grant it to me. I acknowledge I can't do this. Help me, God. And what did the Apostle Paul say to add to what David said? Romans 7, 25. Who will rescue me, he asks, from this body of death, these, these small things that are just robbing me? He says this, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus will take you through it. Jesus will give you victory over it. David lived before before Christ. He lived under the Mosaic and the Abrahamic covenant. And then God made another covenant with David. But these three covenants led to the new covenant. And we live in the new covenant. A covenant by which the Holy Spirit of God actually lives inside us. That Christ himself and the Father, they come to dwell with us. So it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. It's Christ in me that can deal with all these things, these little things. So don't beat yourself up because you've gone down again. But just call on him. Say, Lord, fill me again with your spirit and live through me. Live your life through me. That I walk and talk and act like you. We must lay down our lives for his life to be manifest in us. See, we might think that Christ has done all the dying for our salvation. But no, we have to die as well. And in our death, just as 
his resurrection life came forth. In our death, his life comes forth through our lives. Let's just pray together. I'm going to pray not only with you, but for you. I'm going to say, Lord, help us to surrender all of our lives to you. Every part of our life. So you can live in and through us. We don't question for one minute the passion of your love for us. We thank you for the song of songs that shows us how passionate you are about us. And Father, we're passionate too about you. Jesus, we're passionate, passionate about you. And we thank you that you've made it possible through the death and the resurrection and the impartation of Christ into our lives. That as we walk with you and live with you, there is nothing that can rob us of the fruit of love so we can give you all the passion that you deserve. Father, help us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.